Parenthood can feel isolating. And at times, overwhelming. So we created this podcast to be that village that everyone talks about. And most importantly, to help you feel like you're not alone on this crazy roller coaster ride called parenting. Hello, friends. I'm Becca. And I'm Ashley. We're two moms out here raising little weirdos, just doing our best. We are by no means experts. And we do not have much advice. But our goal is to create a judgment-free community that understands that kids are weird and parenting is hard. Hi, guys. Welcome to another episode of Kids Are Weird Podcast. We are here again with Albiona Rakiki. We hope you have caught our last episode. We are talking about five things that she thinks every parent should know Yes, when it comes to parenting. So number one through three are in last week's episode. Check them out. Feel free to check them out. They're very good. Yes. (laughs) And uh, without further ado, let's dive into number four and five. Number four. (laughs) Great. All right. So let's number four is kids are not as fragile as we think they are. So I think we kind of walk around and have this impression that kids, if they get can't get hurt and we constantly protect and we want to shield them from bad things and we want to, and by the way, it's understandable. I mean, I was the same way and I'm still the same way and my kids are older, right? So for younger children, we we don't want them to experience any kind of, you know, sort of struggle, if you will. So what this might look like for a younger child is it's it's time for them to stop playing with a toy or they have to give something over, or maybe it's time to share a toy and they get so upset and they start crying and they don't like it. So in an effort to kind of maintain the boundary or to set the boundary, you might come up with a second offering or a third offering or a fourth offering. So maybe it's not the toy that they were initially crying about, but even following up with, well, here we can do this instead. Well, how about this toy? Well, I have your other favorite toy over here right? All of those things still for the child, remove them from that space of just working through the hard feelings. And it's tough to do. I want to be really clear and say this. I have done this because there are days like you have to get out of the house on time, or, you know, there's a doctor's appointment you have to get to, and you don't have time to let them work through the tantrum. So I fully understand the reality of like what I'm saying can be hard, but if your response every time is to patch it up, you're giving something in return to that sort of outburst of emotion, you have to know that you're taking away opportunities for your child to build emotional regulation, resilience. Tantrum phases is really a phase assuming the parent lets the child work through the phase of having tantrums. Mm -hmm. If you don't and you constantly jump in and save the day, it isn't uncommon now for me to work with a parent of a five-year-old and they're saying my five-year-old has tantrums. In general, developmentally speaking, we don't really want to see five-year-olds having huge tantrums. Maybe at home, if it's the kind of day where you're like, oh, we've been completely off schedule. We crammed so much in today. They're winding down and they're just having a hard time. They're overtired, so they're melting down. That's different. But if you're at Target and a five-year-old screaming their head off for a toy, generally speaking, that just tells us that they need some coping skills. They needed that time to work through that piece of like getting that emotional regularity, recognizing that while that struggle was there, they got through it and they saw when they came out of it, they were okay. So that's essentially what you want to do. And you can do this and you can be loving about it. It doesn't mean be harsh and cold, empathize, recognize how they're feeling. I know it's really hard. I don't like when I have to give up my favorite toy either, but that's just how it goes sometimes. And then that's it. You know, you don't have to come in though with like 10 new toys or some new activity. So letting them really 
go through it, go through the hard things is important. Like another way this might come up is, um, I was just filming a reel about this, is the idea of fear. So one of the things we say to kids is don't be afraid. Like if they say, I'll say something like is sort of unrealistic as like, I'm terrified of monsters, mom or dad. And our response to that is, no, they're not real. Don't be afraid of monsters. That can't, right? Like we are so quick to say, don't be afraid. But the problem is, is they didn't ask a question. So our job is like, we just go right into reassuring, you know, and, and making them feel good, but they're just making a declarative statement. Like, no, no, I am afraid. It's like, if you went to the doctor and said, I'm in a lot of pain and they're like, no, pain's bad. Don't be in pain. Like, nope. <laughs> I am in pain, right? Yes. yes, exactly. So your kid is saying, no, I am scared. Like this is clear. I already know I'm feeling it. I don't like it. And we want to fix it. And it's so well-intended. It's coming from a really good place. But instead, if you approached it with curiosity, you would allow your child to understand what it means to sit in it, feel it and work through it. Like, okay, tell me why you're afraid. Well, I saw a movie or a friend at school told me that there are monsters and I'm afraid that I have monsters. Hmm, well, are monsters people? What do you think they look like? Like you can go as far as asking for them to describe it. And then you can come up with a plan. Like for some families, I've suggested that they do a flashlight check every night and just have fun with it. Be like, all right, I don't think monsters are real, but you think they are. I don't think they are. But if you want, we can check under every bed with our flashlights today and in every closet before you go to bed. And let's just make sure no monsters come and just have fun with it. And maybe in that lightness and in that silliness, your child starts to recognize that like, man, if my mom is like so not even rattled by this or my dad doesn't even care and they're just walking around with flashlights and we're laughing, clearly this isn't like a fear inducing moment. Right. So just letting those emotions and those feelings happen is really important. Like for a teen a lot of times it can present itself in social interactions, things we mentioned in the last episode about like performance. So for instance, if maybe somebody was mean to them at school, we go right in with like the praise and no, and you're the best and don't, and you know, and that's okay. We want to be that for our kids. We want to be their champions. We want to be able to do those things, but you also have to teach them to just really sit in it, work through it, ask some important questions, process what they're feeling, have a way of working through it. Because honestly, to just jump to a mantra of like, no, you're perfect. Like, well, hold on. Like they're struggling right now. And clearly this approach of just putting something on it, like a Band-Aid isn't going to work. It's a very, it's very, it's uh, honestly, I have seen how that, that uh, approach can be very damaging, very stunting. Mm -hmm. I think uh, emotionally, I'm like a super big advocate for like letting Ruby kind of feel her feelings, Mm -hmm. even to the point where it can make me like uncomfortable. You know, Mm -hmm. we had a situation like yesterday, um, at the park where she was playing like with this older girl. And at first it was like going good. And then she started, you know, Ruby is three and this girl was almost six and Ruby started to just kind of follow her around. And then the girl was like, leave me alone and like put her hand up and everything. And, and it was very hard for me, you know, because I, I watched Ruby just, you know, put her head down. So I went and I talked to her and said, what happened? And she's like, that, you know, that girl doesn't want to be my friend. And, and I told her, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm really sorry if that hurt your feelings. I was like, sometimes people, they don't want to play with us. Mm -hmm. And I was, I was struggling to, 
like reassure her and just, but also explain it. And I, I was like, you didn't do anything wrong, mm-hmm. you know? I, and, but it was, it's not, it's, it's not always easy. Cause we do just want to fix it. And it like broke my heart to yeah. see that happen. But mm-hmm. I, I wanted her, you know, like you say, like building that resiliency mm-hmm. for her to keep going and not let that completely like derail her day. And she didn't. And she was, you know, and I'm like, sometimes that, ha- and I, you know, she's done that to other kids that she hasn't wanted to play with, you know, mm-hmm. but it's, it's, it's super, I think that work is super important, but it is definitely very difficult, especially like if I know if you were raised in a home where, you know, either you were kind of, everything was put on a bandaid or you like big feelings weren't welcome. It can be super triggering when your yes. kid has those big feelings. So yeah, no, I'm like the reverse side of that. I feel like I will sometimes be talking with my husband about like a struggle that I'm going through and he'll immediately jump into like, well, this is how yeah. we can fix it mode. And there have been several times where I'll just like look at him and be like, I don't need you to fix this right now. I just need you to hear me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so knowing that, like, I feel that way regularly, I say this about how, like, my mentality about parenting is I put myself in my kids' shoes all the time. I'm like, well, how would that make me feel as an adult, like even with an adult sized brain? And then like you put that into like a kid and then you add a whole bunch of extra emotions onto it because they don't have that emotional regulation. Yeah. So it's like, if this is making me feel like I'm not being heard, I can only imagine what it's making my kid feel like. So, and we're, you know, we're a very open family. If something isn't like being received, right. I can be like, no, stop. I don't need you to fix this right now. I just need you to hear me. And Ryan can say, my husband can say that same thing to me too. Cause I mean, we all, I feel like Josh and I do it. Yeah. We all as humans have like a helpful quality to ourselves. We want to help each other. We want, right. especially the people who we're closest to. Yeah. So yeah. to kind of immediately go into that, like I can fix it kind of a moment where it's or just like, like, look over there, like distract, yeah, you know, yeah, where it's like, <laughs> sometimes that almost feels like just, it just comes so naturally when we're in reality, it's not always the most helpful. Yeah. And I think it, like you said, I think it's important to recognize that and to be okay with not being the fixer. Right. And which is extremely hard, especially I feel like for us women, like we're just yeah wanting to do that all the time. Yeah. So yeah, totally. No, I, I think I, so much of what you're saying is spot on. And I think you're exactly right. We, as an, even as adults, we want to be able to express ourselves and sometimes we just need the space to be heard and not necessarily fixed and put back together. And it's like, just let me have that minute and I'll figure it out. And it's not really any kids. Right. And so a lot of times, like for, you know, um, even in Ruby's case, like when you were describing the park situation, it's really cool that you went over there and you just comforted her. And I think that's the exact right thing to do. And I was looking at something recently, Nedra Tawab, who's one of my favorite authors, she wrote a book. She's a clinical psychologist, wrote a book on boundaries. It's geared towards adult, but adults, but she's got a lot about parenting in there. And one of the things she wrote about, about wishing what she would have been told or boundaries she would have been given when she was younger. And one of them was, I wish I would have known that not everyone will like me and that's okay. And I don't have to like everyone and that's okay. Yeah. Like, cause there is so much, especially for women around this idea of likability. Yeah. And like we want our kids to be so likable too, that we sort of dump it onto them without even meaning to, because it's so in us. And I say this myself, like, I'm sure I've done this for my own kids, but that we want them to present as likable to the world, to others, to be liked, to be cherished. Yeah. And really the truth is like, we know now fast forward all these years later as adults, 
you don't like everyone. Not everyone's going to like you. And that's okay too. You don't have to be everybody's cup of tea. And that doesn't mean anything's inherently wrong with you or that anything's inherently wrong with them, right? But that you can just have these two pieces where there's mutual respect for all, but that you don't have to be likable to all either, right? And so- Yeah, because I did tell her that I, I, and I felt like, not wrong saying it, but I was like, you know, not everyone will want to play with you. And I did, I was like, and that is okay. You know, and it felt very weird to like mm-hmm. say that to her. Cause I wanted her, I, you know, you do, you just want to be like, you're the best and you didn't do any, you know, she didn't do anything wrong, but mm-hmm. I wasn't like, everyone should want to play with you. Cause it's like, like you said, like that isn't reality. Yeah. And uh, she's yeah. But it, yeah. And it, it's hard. It's hard to have empathy, yeah. right? It's not even fully developed yet in, in their brain. So for her to take on the perspective of that girl is going to be really hard. Right. Um, but you know, you were there to just honor the fact that it didn't feel good. She right. knew it didn't feel good. And you gave her some language around how come it didn't feel good and that that's okay. Mom's here. You will always be loved by many. And that, you know, maybe that girl just didn't have a nicer way of saying that she was ready to play in a, di- you know, with somebody else or play it in a different area or whatever the case is. And that's okay. And you'll have moments too, sometimes where you're going to want to switch gears and right. tell somebody that, you know, your time's up playing with them too, but you know, you'll do it in a way that's kind and, and thoughtful. Yeah. So there are ways that you want to think about like how to communicate those things. But at the same time, because she's so young, you know, it's really just about being there. But again, yeah, not coming in with just like a big cheerleader praise. And it is so hard, right? You want to be like, that girl stinks. Don't, (laughs) you know, like, it's like, you can't help it. You want to protect them. It's such a bad feeling. Like, you know, you don't want them to feel rejected. It's terrible. I know. Oh, it was yeah. a similar situation at a splash pad this summer where this little boy shoved her to the ground for no, for no reason, literally no reason. Mm-hmm. And she looked at me and she asked me point blank. She's like, why did that little boy shove me? Mm-hmm. And <laughs> a lot of people were like, we commend you for not just calling him an asshole. <laughs> I said, well, you know, I said, he didn't, he didn't make a good choice. Right. Right. Said, Again, like literally she did absolutely nothing wrong. She wasn't, you know, and I was just like, you know, he, I said that what he did was not right. This is okay. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, and just even my mother-in-law said she was with me when it happened. She, she was like, you're very good at, at giving her that language where um, we call my mother-in-law, like the queen of distraction. Like she's very good at like, look over there, you know, like distract with something else. And she, she, she even said that she's like, you're very good at like working through those painful things where she's just very like, here's a snack, you know, and, and both can be, you know, both can be helpful. Um, but yeah, it's, I really am a big advocate for that. Um, but it is not always easy, you know, when I want to like, no, shove that little boy back. Right. Just, I know, so you know, hard. scream in his face, but you know, it's hard, especially like when you praying see, for karma to happen. Yeah. <laughs> when you see, especially when you see your kids get, I mean, that was a physical injury and then you see emotional and it, it is very hard and you do just, you do just want to fix it. But I think through talking through that, you, you are helping them fix it and, but you're giving it more than just that band aid. Yeah. Because like um, you said, they're both, I mean, both sides are helpful, but it's like one is helpful in the moment. Right. And one is really going to be helpful in long-term by yeah. giving your kid these types of tools and these, 
you know, ways to process yeah. emotions and things that happen to them. Yeah. And instead of just like but yeah. feeding into a child's like almost ADHD of like, oh, look over there. Right. Or like, it's yeah. hard though. Cause you know that, that sometimes like that's the easier route. Right. Yeah, and you're so. like, if you're out in public or something's happening and you just want this to be over, it's super easy to just, just like hand them a snack. Yeah. Hand them, you know, easy out. And it's like, all right, we'll yeah. move on. But yeah. and there's definitely times where like, that's all that you can do. Right. That's <laughs> so, that is all like, you can do. You know, yeah. don't beat yourself exactly. up about it, but also just recognize that like, yeah, we can recognize that in the middle of a target, if they're screaming, melting down on the floor, it's very hard to be Zen and like, okay, let's talk about this yes. <laughs> instead yeah, of just is. being like, we got to go right now. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. It's, and it's a balance and it's really, but in those moments when you can, and in those moments when you can just be there and really work through it with them. And again, you know, I work on this a lot with different families that I work with and that I coach because it's different. The language you're going to use is so different for every age and every developmental phase that they're in. Right. right? So, you know, for an older child, you can have a much more sort of elaborate involved conversation for a younger child. It might just be a little bit more concrete because that's the way they think. And some one of the things that I've always said, and I, I mean, it works when they're younger all the way up until they're older. But a lot of times I would say something like in the case of like Ruby getting pushed by that boy, you know, you could go to, well, we don't know his story. And yeah. I use that all the time with my kids and all the way up until they're older. But it's important to also emphasize what he did was not right. 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 It's not okay that he hurt you. And I'm sorry that that happened, but we don't know his story. Maybe something didn't go right for him today. Maybe he's having a tough day. We don't really know, but are you okay? Right. Yeah. Like giving her the language, really checking in with her, because again, at three, she's just still so young to really kind of think, even think about his story, but it's just a way of allowing for that compassionate piece in and not completely yeah. getting worked into that space of. You're like uh, fostering that empathy that she doesn't yeah. really have right. developed. Right. That's right. right. And then later, later yeah. as she gets older. Yeah. And as your kids get older, you can use that a lot. And I used to do it like when my kids would come home from school and they would say, you know, oh, so-and-so is so bad, right? Like a child in their class. And I would say, well, what do you mean? And they'd say, oh, well, he never listens. And today he said this to the teacher. And and kids are, are binary thinkers. They're black and white thinkers. They're concrete for a very long time. You know, you're good or bad. It's right or wrong. It's nice or mean, right? There's no like middle. And then one day I told my daughter, I said, well, we don't know his story. And she said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, like there are days when you're really tired and you might be crabby or maybe you say something that's mean, but does that make you bad? Right. She's like, no. And I'm like, does that just mean that your day isn't great? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, well, same thing with him. We don't know his story. So we just have to leave space. It doesn't mean you have to go and be best friends with him. It doesn't mean you have to put up with what he's doing. Right. Right. After, he doesn't have to be in your circle. But certainly we can, you know, exercise grace and compassion and wish him well, right? Yeah. We have to deduce it to like, he's bad or he's the, this kid or that kid, right? So just, it's a good one to keep in your back pocket because it can apply to a lot of different contexts. My yeah. daughter was driving not that long ago and I got cut off and my daughter's 16 and I was like about to say something about the person who cut me off. And she's like, we don't know her story. <laughs> yeah, because those are easy. Those they will. Those start, I know. Ruby even like, even that just like, used when she said, told me, yeah, say sorry are. first, mm -hmm. they pick up on that. But honestly, the, we don't know their story. I mean, that is something we, me as an adult, I mm -hmm. can practice much more than I do. Cause it's very easy to mm -hmm. just, you know, write somebody off or, or label them. And you're yeah. right. Yeah. Uh, and it's very <laughs> easy to think like, 
that everyone experienced life just like you do. Yeah. It's very easy to kind of get into that it is, like yeah. thought process yeah. and to kind of remind yourself like people have different struggles. We don't yeah. know what everyone is going yeah. through. And yeah, even as an adult. Yeah, it's like, a great reminder just all ages. Yeah. Broad <laughs> reminder. Yeah. We don't know what everyone else is going through. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, but you're exactly right. Letting her, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's like one of many things that your daughter will go through and all of our kids will go through and to just be there and to provide that safe space and to let them work through it. And then, you know, let it showing them that they're okay. I yeah. think those are really important. And also like parents are always afraid that they might say the wrong thing. And so in an effort to not hurt their child, they're always trying to like kind of do everything so perfectly so that when they have that one mess up where you blow up or you yell or whatever, we give ourselves such a hard time about it. We're really self-punishing about it. And the truth is, is it's okay. Like your kids are going to be okay. Even if you yelled or even if you had a bad moment, you're not damaging them forever. Like I always say, apply the 80, 20 rule here. If 80% of the time you have a really loving, nurturing home and 20% of the time you have moments where you're like, all right, you can watch an extra show today. You can have junk food for dinner. Like I yelled today and I know I shouldn't have, but if 80% of the time you have a good, loving, nurturing home and the other boxes are being checked, I promise you in the long run, the little things that you're going to dwell on those small mistakes, those little 20% that we'll call them they're not going to matter. They're not going to matter. So just look at the 80%, look at the bigger picture and you'll, you'll give yourself that space to know that your kids are going to be just fine. Even if you mess up, even if you don't go about something wrong, it's just an opportunity to heal and help them grow. Yeah. And I think it's so important for us, for our children to see that we are imperfect Yeah, because they are, you know, nobody's perfect. No. And And to put those types of like lofty expectations on ourselves or on our kids, it's not healthy for anyone. Right. So, right. Agreed. Yeah. So on that same note, the fifth one, and it kind of ties in with this is do less. It's okay. I say this to in one of our episodes is is do less. It is okay (laughs) to do less. I know do less. I think that there is so much that I was talking to it. This was a dad recently. And he said, oh man, the second I wake up, I go to have my cup of coffee and my kids are already like, I want to play. I want to play. And I just can't even finish a cup. And I'm like, oh, just have your coffee. He's like, what do you mean? And I was like, it's really good for kids to play alone. So structure your day. So that if you need that time in the morning, like some parents don't, right? Maybe that's your time where you do play with them. But for some parents, like I was like this, I needed my morning to just like start calm, (laughs) decompress. And so I told them, have your coffee and structure it. So during that time, you let them know you're not available. You're going to be either have your coffee, you need to be reading something and let them play, be in the same space, do whatever you need to do. But if they can play, it's really important. We build, I mean, kids who can play alone and they should play alone every single day. There should be open-ended, independent, free play for every child every day in their schedule. I'm not saying ignore them all day long, but what I'm saying (laughs) is that they should have moments throughout the day where they are doing this because it fosters creativity, language skills, um, neurological development, problem solving, resilience. Like if you play with your kids all the time, you naturally change the play Yeah. because let's say something's not going right, or they have to change something or tweak something. If you're there, they're going to ask you to do it. Yeah. It's impossible. I can't fix it. Can you help me? You do it. I don't know how to do it. And then it's this big back and forth. If you're not available, they will figure it out or they'll come up with a different solution or they might build a whole new thing, Right. 
but they'll have the opportunity to exercise that and to practice that because simply removing you from that equation is going to allow for that process to happen. They're more imaginative when you're not in the picture, right? So give your kids the opportunity to do that. It's so healthy. It's so good for them. So often I see parents constantly wanting to do for their kids or like not even do in the way of like giving their kids things, but like teaching, like that's a good example. So the, what I write about in the article is I'm, I was in an elevator, we were in downtown Detroit and it was one of those glass enclosed elevators that goes up and you can see all of Detroit as it's going up. And it's really cool. And you could tell that it was a girl and her mom and you could tell if she's probably six or seven, it was the first time this girl had been in this type of an elevator. Maybe she was younger and she was like, completely in awe, just taking it in. And then her mom, and again, well-intended, I'm not picking on her, but just started hammering away with like, look at the word up there on the ele- like uh, the buttons of the elevator. How do you spell this word? How do you spell that word? How- and, and like just interrupting. And it was, again, it was that mom's fear because in that mom's mind, it was like, I have to make sure she's academically sound. My job as a good mom is to make sure I'm learn- teaching her and emergent literacies coming to mind. And I have to make sure that all the words around me, I'm, I'm talking to her about it and the letters and the phonics. And the truth is, is like, just let her be, right? She's yeah. just, just you less in that moment. Stay quiet and just watch. Watch how cool it is to see her take that in and wonder like, what in the world? This thing is moving all the way up and I get to stand this high and get this kind of perspective on you know, the Detroit river and downtown. So again, it's, it comes from a good place. Mm -hmm. We are doing it because we all want the best for our kids, but it's not always keeping in mind what our kids need. And often if we do less, it's better for them and it's better for us too. Yeah. I mean, I, the like kids toys are coming to mind right now. Just (laughs) the fact that like we can buy our kids an entire room full of toys and they're still going to rather play with the empty box and the remote control. Yeah, Ruby literally carries around the flag from our bike trailer. Like I was literally gonna do like a reel about it or something because it's like she loves it. (laughs) She loves it so much. Yeah. And it's so but that just we we try to provide more and more and more. And it's really like just in that moment so perfectly. It's like, yeah, and do less and they'll be perfectly happy. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And when when they ask to play all the time, we always feel the pressure to say yes. You don't have to. Yeah. You know, that I always have, oh, but I feel so guilty if I say no, why? Right. Like it's okay. You can carve out time that's special for you guys, but let them play on their own. They need it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's something I definitely Ruby, you know, she, she loves to play with you. So, I mean, that girl will play from the moment she wakes up to the moment she finally reluctantly passes out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have been trying to do that more like in, especially in the morning. Cause I'm the same way. Like I need time to wake up and have my coffee and everything. And I've been getting better at telling her, Hey, mommy needs to have her coffee. You can play, build your garden, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and she does, you know, she does it. Um, but I, I know how important the, the independent play is and, and try to foster that as well. Um, and what you said about the teaching is like, so spot on. Cause I feel like I always feel this pressure that like, I always need to be teaching her stuff, but (laughs) I'm, you know, but I also, Cause like I read this post, like it, it was, I pulled it up cause I screenshotted it, but it's like, we fear, we fear they will be illiterate. So we force them to read at age five. We fear they will be socially awkward. So we force them to share and say, sorry, 
We fear they will be weak and lazy. So we force them into activities and never let them quit. We fear that they will not get a good job. So we force them into college at any cost. And then we, and then she, her whole post was, she was forced to dunk her kid underwater, like at the YMCA. Mm-hmm. And she's like, we fear they will drown. So we dunk them underwater. And I like, I literally screenshot and pulled it up as you were talking about it. Cause I'm like, it, it, it does all come from fear, exactly. you know? And I I've even had this fear of like, you know, one of, one of, a mom that I know our daughters are like the same age and like her daughter is already like doing some early like reading stuff. Mm -hmm. And I immediately felt this immense like pressure and just like shame and guilt. And then, you know, I actually talked to my own mom about it and my mom's like, you know, just, just let her be a kid, like, let her be wild, let her be free, let her imagine. And so I've really been trying to take that pressure off myself is like, she, she, she will learn like, you know, you know, we're going to homeschool. And I really like the, the unschooling that we've kind of talked about just learning naturally and letting her just fully be herself and experience the world the way she's going to experience the world. Because kids, they are, they're such natural learners. Like they will, if they have questions, they will ask them, trust us. We hear them 5 million times. So many, so many questions. (laughs) (laughs) So they, they just genuinely want to learn about things. So you don't have to beat learning into them. No, they naturally learn. You're going to naturally learn. And the more like people, situations, like places that you put them in front of, like that's really how they're going to grow. Like your kid is going to read. They don't have to read by three or four or five. I mean, like here in Michigan, we have like, (laughs) make sure your kid reads by grade three. And I think at that point you're like eight or nine. Right. So Mm -hmm. like there's, I mean, yes, you want your kid to be hitting certain benchmarks, especially when it comes to their education and stuff like that. But at the same time, like allowing for a bit more of a hands-off approach, I feel like in my own experience, because I am also a homeschool mom, yeah, um, has really just like opened up, like we kind of just figure if she's interested with something, we'll like look up a little YouTube video on it or see yeah. if there's something on PBS that they talk about it yeah, or like, no, for sure. So we just kind of like, like she's learning every day. Right. I feel like even myself as an adult, I'm learning every we day. We are like, yeah. it's really learning is natural for, especially for children. Yeah. Natural so, learners. so I really, I, I feel for that. Just the idea of like, you don't have to think that you have to do it all because then you're really just setting yourself up for failure. I've yeah. mentioned this before where it's mm-hmm. like, you, yes, you want to do all the things, but at what cost? Yeah. You know, for sure. So exactly, that's exactly right. And, and bravo to you guys for recognizing that, you know, I'm not going to get on that train and, <laughs> you know, teach them how to read at two and a half and pull out every flashcard and what have you. So, you know, it's important that we need more and more people to sort of recognize that you're right. Children are in a constant state of learning. They don't need to be taught all the time. I just recently did, um, it hasn't come out yet and it might maybe by the time this airs, but I interviewed a nine-year-old. I'm trying to have conversations with kids on the podcast because I think it's important to take in their perspective on things. And he talks about how schools can improve. And it's just really interesting just to hear it from that perspective and to hear him sort of talk about how he might learn differently and how sometimes that's not accepted or that's not, there isn't the space to do that. And, and so you're right. I mean, kids are in a constant state. And one of the things he mentioned 
was that he loved his kindergarten teacher because she gave them so many activities to do where they were in motion and not sitting. So like, that was basically him saying, like, I learned through doing and not just sitting and being told information. Right. And so I think that highlights so much of what we're saying. Like they will just learn anyway, like they're just developing Development doesn't stop, right? Even when COVID hit and the pandemic and people were home with their kids and there was a lot of fear around falling behind, which I'm not sure behind what, but that was sort of the big ask of like, oh my gosh, they're going to fall behind. They're going to fall behind. But the truth is, is that I believe in development. Development doesn't stop. Development doesn't stop for pandemics or because you're home or not home. Kids thrive, learn, grow because those neurons are still firing, their neuroplasticity is still doing what it needs to do. And they are in a constant state of learning and curiosity, quite frankly. Yeah. That's awesome. I love it. It feels like this has been like a therapy session. (laughs) I I feel like I'm walking away with this. I feel like I'm like, yeah, no, this has been great. Like literally so many things that you've said, like, I'm so um, glad. Like I needed to hear. I know. Yeah. Today, really yeah. In this season of. Oh, I'm so glad. So. I'm so glad because that's actually why I wrote the article. Is I just felt like, gosh, everybody to some extent experiences one of these five things or all five things, or you know, and I just think they're important reminders to kind of ground you in this idea of like, hey, parenting is fluid. It it is constantly up and down and everything in between. And it's difficult and beautiful all at the same time. And I think that we have to give ourselves the room to really just take it all in and, and not continuously put this pressure on ourselves to be a certain way or do everything a certain way, because that inadvertently goes right into our kids, right? Our kids grow up as these little beings that feel like they have to do things a certain way and be a certain way and produce like a certain living way. in a pressure pot. Exactly. Like, oh, that's not that's good exactly right. So yeah, definitely. Well, we hope that you listeners have taken some lovely tips from these past two episodes. Um, I just want to personally thank Albiona again for coming and sharing all of your expertise. I feel like we always leave with like the best little tidbits when you're yes. at the cast. So thank um, you again. Thank yeah. you so much. And um, and check out her podcast, um, The yeah. Parenting Reframe. Follow her on Instagram. Um, she's got lots of good tools out there. I feel like very, very good, realistic tools and just good advice for yes. all of us parents out there. <laughs> to help us, you know, stay sane out here. Yes. Thank you so much. So that's it. We hope you loved this episode of Kids Are Weird Podcast as much as we loved creating it for you. If there's a topic you'd like to hear us talk about or just a weird story about your kids that you'd like to share, shoot us an email at kidsareweirdpodcast at gmail.com and be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at kidsareweirdpodcast and like us on Facebook to stay up to date with all the happenings within our little community. And to every caregiver of a little one out there, we see you, we hear you, we are you. Stay Stay sane out there. Thank you.